welcome to iChat, a podcast series to deliver eye health information to the people of Northern Ireland. Brought to you by staff and students from Queen's University Belfast. Hello and welcome to episode four of our ophthalmology podcast, iChat. My name's Patrick, you've met me several times now. I'm a junior doctor working in the Southeastern Trust and I'm joined again by Josh, who's just finished his A-levels and taken a gap year and interested in studying medicine. In this episode, we're privileged to have Dr. Michael Quinn as our guest. Dr. Quinn is an ophthalmologist and a clinical advisor for Queen's University Belfast with over 30 years of experience. Today, we'll be discussing how to look after your eyes and vision and we'll be hearing about the NI Pair Scheme. We're really excited to hear what you have to say today, Dr. Quinn, and thanks again for joining us. Would you mind starting by telling us a little bit about yourself and your work in ophthalmology? Yes, it's uh, great to be here, and thank you very much for the invite, uh, Joyce and Patrick. I uh, started my career in ophthalmology in 1987. I was a trainee doctor up until uh, that from 1981. And as part of our training, one of the things that we have to do uh, in the exam setting is that we have to do a refraction exam. And refraction is basically testing the eyes to see whether people need glasses or not. And I got very interested in this uh, at the time and really enjoyed it. The interesting thing is that nowadays most medical students are most junior doctors who are in ophthalmology and when they're doing the refraction module of their exams they forget all about it as soon as they finished it because most things uh, today are done by machines but I kept refracting all my career and I found it uh, a great benefit uh, so much so that I've set up an ophthalmic medical practice in Belfast which is much the same as a uh, optician shop but it's manned by eye doctors. The eye doctors that work in the practice, uh, there's probably only uh, two or three of us in the whole of the North, and we all enjoy refracting as, as part of our job. Could you give us a bit of an overview about maintaining good eye health? Yes, well, if you look at the um, World Health Organization, they classify uh, refractive errors, that is, people who require glasses either for distance or for near. It is up there with cataracts as one of the leading causes of visual impairment. Uh, Somewhere in the region of one billion people worldwide would have refractive errors that are uncorrected. And if you look at that, that has significant implications for the person. If it's a child, they can lose out on education, then their opportunities for jobs are limited also. Further down the line, if you look at adults who, um, by the time they hit 40 to 45 need reading glasses and if they don't have their reading glasses they cannot function properly up close and again they are limited in what they can do in terms of work. So it has significant implications. If you look at globally the spread of refractive problems. If you live in a socially deprived country or low income country you're probably 70 to 80 percent likely not to have been refracted for glasses, whereas in uh, high-income countries, that figure is down in the region of about 10% only. You mentioned it's only approximately 10% affected in the Western world. Are there certain patient groups or environmental factors maybe that would put you at risk of being in this small group? 
Yes, one of the aspects of my job as an ophthalmic medical practitioner is that I would go out to hostels in, within the Greater Belfast area and would assess uh, homeless uh, and disadvantaged people. And the interesting thing that I've noticed over the years is that the number of young men in particular who have uh, significant refractive errors that have been uncorrected their whole lives, which has obviously disadvantaged them in their education and has probably led them down the road of ending up where they are and certainly whenever I prescribe them glasses they cannot believe that they can see so well. As adults we're conscious whenever our vision can change but how often should children get their eyes tested? Well the, the system at the moment is that children are tested for their eyesight at the uh, in P1 I, off, I feel that this is probably too late because in development, uh, a child's eyesight is fully developed by aged eight. So if they have a refractive problem and they don't see so well, by the age of eight, that's the sight they're going to have unless it is corrected. So I would recommend children be refracted yearly. And we do have ways of assessing children's eyesight long before uh, they need to read a chart. They are disadvantaged whenever we bring them into a, a testing room because uh, primary ones, children, don't even know capital letters by that stage. So uh, we have ways of managing with pictures and there's a Sheridan Gardner test where we show them letters and they point them out to us. But it is important to test for that because we can pick up all sorts of other issues that might arise in a child's eyes. And would the frequency of eye testing be the same for adults or does it depend on other things? In the situation with adults, I certainly would recommend every two years, but you can reduce that down to yearly, uh, depending on medical conditions such as uh, diabetes and glaucoma, or a relative of someone who has glaucoma. So the, the, the government have allowed uh, for free eye testing for people under 18 and over 60, and people with medical conditions such as diabetes and glaucoma. So it does include a, a significant number of people, but there are an awful lot of people out there who would not be bothered. And I would compare it to uh, a bit like you know going to the dentist. If you don't go to the dentist, you're never going to find out if you have any major issues with your teeth and similarly with your eyes. Could you tell us a bit about what NI Pairs does and what it stands for? Sorry, uh, I meant to bring that in earlier. The NI Pairs is a... Uh, Northern Ireland Primary Eye Care uh, Assessment and Referral System. This was introduced a number of years ago to try and reduce the burden on uh, hospital eye services by allowing optometry practices and ophthalmic medical practices to assess acute eye problems such as red eyes, painful eyes, flashes and floaters and so forth as these are pretty regularly attending at the eye casualty and can be dealt with reasonably uh, easily. You'll find that most optometry practices will do NI pairs uh, these days. There has been an extension to this where we now have NI Pairs Plus. This is only a pilot scheme at the moment and usually it uh, is referred via the eye casualty department and it is for specific conditions. The commonest one that I've dealt with uh, are foreign bodies and it's usually somebody who's been grinding or welding um, and has got something into their eye and we will deal with that. To follow on from that question, when assessing people for glasses, is there anything else that you're looking for? 
Yes, we do a full eye examination from the front right through to the back of the eye. So we're looking at the cornea, checking for the health of it. We're looking for signs of cataract within the lens. And we're looking into the vitreous or the jelly inside the eye and the retina. So in particular in patients with diabetes, you'd be looking for signs of diabetic retinopathy. You'd be also looking for in older patients signs of possible early macular degeneration and also looking for signs of glaucoma. We'll also be checking the pressure at that stage as well to make sure that the patient does not have any other signs of problems. We can also do ancillary tests such as OCTs which are looking at the macula and we can also do visual field tests which will allow us to assess the optic nerve function in a slightly different way. Of course, some conditions that we're looking for can be silent until they're well advanced. In particular, in the likes of macular degeneration, if it's affecting one eye, the patient may not be aware that the first eye has been damaged. And similarly, diabetic retinopathy can uh, creep along and cause uh, significant changes long before the patient starts to have symptoms. So the earlier we get these conditions, the better. And that might be quite alarming for some people to not even know that if one eye is affected, that they don't actually have any symptoms, but one eye is affected. Can you tell us a bit about how that comes about, why that is the case? The eye, uh, the eyes work in a pair usually. So if um, one eye is dominant, it'll quite often overrule the poor sight in the other eye. The people who present early are people who have an amblyopic or lazy eye in one eye and they develop a problem in their second eye and they'll be much more aware of the problem because they can see it much quicker. Uh, classically, um, macular degeneration presents with distortion of vision and uh, one of the methods I tell people to assess uh, is to cover one eye and look at a straight line like the edge of a door or a window frame and then cover the other eye and do the same. And what you're looking for is any distortion or bits missing from the straight line. If there's anything like that, they should get their eyes looked at as soon as possible. You mentioned some of the changes to vision that might lead patients to present themselves to NI pairs. Could you tell our listeners what they should do if they develop sudden or unexpected changes to their vision? One of the things they can do is they can actually go to their GP or call their GP. They'll probably not see their GP these days and the GP can refer them to the NIPER scheme. Unfortunately, at the moment, uh, it's usually online that you'll get the information, usually on the BSO, the Business Services Organization website, and they will list the uh, practices that are available in your area and the types of conditions. Uh, certainly we would see people with all sorts of uh, conditions that may not fall into NI pairs, but that's just par for the course. Uh, but certainly anybody who has an acute problem that is concerning them, then it is worthwhile uh, going along and seeing their uh, optometrist. Dr. Quinn, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, it's been extremely interesting. Before we go, are there any closing remarks you might add in terms of you know, advice on how people can maintain good eye health. What can we do at home? What can we do in our activities of daily living to ensure we can maintain good eye health? Well, the, one of the things that you'll hear time and time again from other podcasts is good diet. Certainly uh, eating the right foods will help protect the eyes for various conditions. And also, if you're working with grinders or welders, make sure you wear the proper protective goggles. Thanks very much again for talking to us today.
And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And please stay tuned for future episodes of our ophthalmology podcast, iChat. Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe to the podcast series to hear more. iChat is supported by the Queen's Annual Fund.